This is Tony. And this is Matt. And this is What Did We Miss? The podcast where we resolve our pop culture blind spots. Nope, we're not using resolve anymore because it's hard. This is Tony. And this is Matt. And this is What Did We Miss? The. You want me to do it? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, one more. This is Tony. And this is Matt. And this is What Did We Miss? The podcast where we explore our pop culture blind spots one episode at a time. How's it going, Matt? It's going. Great. Yeah. All right. See you next time. See ya. Bye. So, um, so you've continued watching Veronica Mars, I hear. Yes. Uh, so we, we, uh, yeah, we covered Veronica Mars last month. We only talked about the pilot and I feel like I, at the end, when you asked if I was going to keep sticking with it, I was a little... I feel like I came off a little colder about it than I actually was. Um, but yeah, I, I've continued to watch it and I think I've got like one or two episodes left in the first season. Oh shit. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, I really like it. Um, listening back to all of the things where you're like, oh, I'm not going to give anything away. But now I kind of know what you were pointing <laughs> at and I won't say anything in case anyone listening hasn't watched it. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm glad... You held a gun to my head and said, Tony, you're going to listen to Veronica Mars. Not only are you going to listen to it, you're going to look at it. Because television is an audio as well as a visual medium. You're going to do both things with several holes in your face Yes. at the same time and and, and, and remember it. And we did a, like a 4D experience where I came over to your house mm-hmm. and like it was raining outside, I'd pour some water on you. You did. Uh, and if someone was getting shot at, I would... Shoot you. You did. Yep. Yeah. You had. And we solved crimes. We did solve crimes. Uh, we also committed crimes. Yep. You sicked a large pit bull on me that one time. I did a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, we both uh, tried to learn how to ride motorcycles. Yeah. I fell off. Yep. Uh, both of your legs have been broken now for several weeks. Yeah. It's, it's painful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, I dyed my hair blonde. Okay. You look good. Thank you very much. Yeah, You're I welcome. try. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, just for, for full immersive experience, um, you murdered my best friend. This is this is true. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I forgot that Dick Casablancas isn't in the pilot. Has he been introduced yet? Who's Dick Casablancas? Oh man, that's a second season character. Wait. Oh, the guy from The Strokes. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a character that becomes a big part of later seasons, and I'd forgotten that he wasn't there since the beginning. Yeah, no. Um, but wait till you, <laughs> wait till you meet Dick. Um. Yeah, he's a, he's a pretty funny character. Cool. But, uh, anyway, so here we are, new episode, getting ready to chat, getting ready to talk about today's subject. But uh, I was curious um, what your experiences are with uh, musicals. Like, have you been to the theater to see a musical, or are most of your musical experiences, um, you know, limited to movies and television and whatnot? Yeah, um... I don't know that I've seen as many live musicals as I maybe would have liked to. Um, I do enjoy them. Um, I saw Book of Mormon when I came through Providence. Um, I went to New York and saw Avenue Q um, like 10 years ago and really enjoyed it. Is Uh, that the puppet one? That's the puppet one, yeah. It's like the, you know, X-rated Sesame Street. Like Meet the Feebles? (laughs) <laughs> I haven't seen Meet the Feebles. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, I took a trip in, you know, my senior year of high school, I did 
theater and we took a trip to New York and saw, I think we saw, I know we saw Les Mis. I think we saw Chicago. We saw Aida. Okay. Um, I remember thinking Aida looked really cool, but was kind of bored. Okay. Um, I remember being, I think, the only one of my friends who really liked Les Mis. <laughs> um, which is funny because I have a gluten allergy and it's a lot about like people bread. wanting to eat bread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I've seen, and I've seen some um, smaller local productions. Actually, my, my wife's cousin, I think, directed uh, a production of Cabaret on the Cape. All right. How was uh, that? It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've, I've seen a handful of musicals, Lion King, um, and then a bunch of like, you know, film musicals. What, what's your, like, do you typically, have you enjoyed all these experiences or are you come away being like, you know, musicals aren't necessarily for me? Yeah, no, I, I like them. And I think this is something we're going to get into once we start talking about this week's subject. But even if, if like the music's not doing it for me or like the story's not. It's a stage production. The production's always interesting or like just the, the, the sheer athleticism and the, you know, the, the choreography. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's always something to appreciate. I don't think I've seen a, a musical and been like, I didn't like a single thing that this was trying to do. Sure. Um, but, you know, I also never got around to seeing that Spider-Man musical, so who knows? I did. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. How was it? Um, well, I mean, okay. <laughs> so first off, if you've listened to the podcast, you know that I'm a, a pretty big Spider-Man fan. So it just felt like this obligatory, we should cross this off the list, sort of jokey, curious kind of thing. So we, um, Meg and I went to go see it, and it's really bad. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it the music is, isn't particularly memorable. Uh, the characters look kind of chintzy. The villains all look like Power Rangers villains. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were in the balcony, and Spider-Man walked right by me and swung down to the stage. The Spider-Man, the Spider-Man, or a Spider-Man. I mean, I is guess, this like a Santa? I mean, it wasn't, like a mall Santa situation. It wasn't Tobey Maguire or uh, Tom Holland. Oh, so, so it was Andrew Garfield. <laughs> it was Andrew Garfield. Yeah, I was just like, whoa, that's really weird, because especially because this movie hasn't come out yet. But um, we almost did it, Matt. We. We're talking about a Broadway musical. We somehow managed to talk about Spider-Man. <laughs> I, I didn't bring him up. I know. I didn't I, bring him I, up. As soon as I started saying it, I was like, oh, yep. Of course I is. saw it. Yeah, of course you did. Yeah, but he does. He kind of goes next to you. And that was like you were saying. You know, you could make fun of a lot of it, but I was just like, oh, my God. He just swung down from the balcony. So there were cool kind of contraptions that they would connect him to where he'd kind of swing around the whole theater and all that stuff. Obviously, that... That show was notorious for all of its backstage problems and it's um, some of its, uh, the lead actor had injured himself. I, I think he was replaced. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I've seen I've seen a decent amount. It's funny, you were listing a bunch of pretty famous musicals. And I was like, I haven't seen those, but I have seen some pretty famous musicals. So I saw Rent. Mm-hmm. Um, I also saw Book of Mormon. Uh, An American in Paris. I've seen Wicked. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of times I'm always come out of them not really excited about the storytelling, but always appreciating um, 
the presentation. Like Wicked has this crazy stage um, where it's elaborate kind of Oz set, which moves and uh, and they do some pretty impressive or they have some pretty impressive visual effects. While I didn't particularly care for the story of Wicked. Um, did you ever read the book? Uh, no, Meg did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and I never liked Rent. I always thought Rent was pretty terrible. Um, mostly it was just kind of like uh, something that felt that was it was being edgy, um, and, but it was like 10 years too late maybe. Uh, so Rent never really worked for me. Did you ever, were you ever involved in any musicals like in high school or anything? No, no. I was in jazz band. Ooh. Yeah. So no musicals for me. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have enough horn players, so we played like Brown Eyed Girl and Day Tripper by the Beatles. Oh, and your jazz band? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My teacher was like, well, we don't have enough people to be a jazz band, so let's be a pop band. So That works. Yeah, but whatever. So, yeah, I've always had this weird kind of relationship with live musicals, or at least Broadway productions or local productions. Never really loving anything, I guess. Book of Mormon was great. Um, but I do love musicals, and especially in the past few years, I've really dug into early MGM musicals and uh, a lot of the golden era stuff from 30s and 40s and 50s, in particular, like all of Gene Kelly movies and Judy Garland movies, a lot of uh, Fred and Ginger. So yeah, I, re I really, really like that stuff. Um, but that leads us to the topic of today's episode, which is cats. So Tony, why are we talking about cats well, as our first musical episode? Uh, we're doing this because there's a, a big blockbuster, big screen adaptation of Cats coming out this this month. Yeah. And when the trailer premiered earlier in the year, it instantly became a meme, a uh, punchline. And, you know, I, I sort of got a lot of uh, enjoyment out of out of that, but... It was also right around the time we were getting this podcast off the ground, and I was wondering, well, like, you know, why why do I why do I think it's so funny to dunk on cats? Separating the the trailer for the movie from the sort of legacy of this, of it being this sort of blockbuster Broadway production, there are there are plenty of things to sort of make fun of the the cats in the film version of Cats look kind of terrifying. They're like. <laughs> They're like, uh, you know, maybe a little too sexy given that they're animals. But then, you know, it seems like that's always kind of been in cat's DNA. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, you know, it, it's not unlike uh, our fish episode where I think it, it's it's one of those things where it's easy for people who have not experienced the thing to have an opinion about it. And that's kind of backwards. And I don't like that. So. I figured if I'm going to participate in these hilarious memes, I mm -hmm. should at least have an idea of what I'm talking about. And that's kind of why I, I pitched Cats. Yeah, that seems fair, I guess. Yeah. Um, did you have any awareness of the show? Like, like, what do I, you know of Cats? I remember seeing ads for Cats on TV. You know, me too. Yeah, like whenever, uh, whenever like the uh, you know the touring production would come through town. I have a distinct memory of being in my grandparents' kitchen watching on the little, like, 
12-inch TV they had next to the kitchen yeah. table, which means it, my parents were probably working. And I was probably a little kid, and it was probably the middle of the day. So <laughs> I just I associate, like, these ads for, like, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat yeah. or Cats coming on between, like, reruns of I Dream of Genie or my grandma's stories. Yeah, I, that's my one vivid memory of the show is this this commercial and how it at a really young age would mystify me like what the hell is this thing mm-hmm. i i couldn't understand cuz in the tr- in the commercial there's almost like and we'll get into this later but there's like almost like a flying saucer kind of thing in this weird spacey music and these adults dressed up as cats and it was it was really strange but I had such vivid memories of it that I hunted that down. So I actually have that clip. So oh, let's play that. Cats, more than just the number one family musical in America. Cats, more than just the world's most thrilling theatrical event. Now, Cats has become the longest running show in Broadway history. Come share in the music and the magic, the mystery and the history. Cats, now and forever at the Winter Garden Theater. For tickets, call Telecharge 212-239-6200 and let the memory live again. Number one family musical? I, there, there's at least one cat sex scene and then another cat who just rubs his dick on everybody. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because I think it was ostensibly built as a family thing because this was written by Andrew Lloyd Webber and he based it off of the works of T.S. Eliot. And T.S. Eliot had put out a book in the 30s called Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. And they're poems about cats, but he wrote them for his godchildren. Right. So uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber grew up with this stuff. And so I guess that was the impetus is to make something for everyone. But this thing is so weird and so sexual. So it was startling to watch and be like, oh, this is... This is for kids? Well, I think it's, I think where the idea started with T.S. Eliot's poems and then with the cats that we all know and love, there's a pretty wide <laughs> Are you gulf. talking about like the literal, like the animal? No, I mean the musical. But to <laughs> that point, you know, I think, I think, uh, you know, Eliot's idea is to sort of make these poems about the different kinds of cats, which is very playful and, and can be fun for kids. And then, you know, looking into it, I, I noticed that there was a, an edition of it that Edward Gorey made the illustrations for, or at least to the cover. And I was like, oh, oh. that makes cool. sense. I have exactly the kind of idea of what kind of things we're dealing with here. Yeah. They're whimsical and they're playful. There's a lot of like fun wordplay and like, mm-hmm. you know, nonsense words, kind of like a uh, susical kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, 100%. I can see how that's fun for kids. And then like, <laughs> sure. and then you get cats <laughs> and it's horny as fuck. Yeah. They, these cats are, yeah, yeah. They, they're all going to have sex after the, the show is over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I guess Andrew Lloyd Webber approached Valerie Elliott, um, T.S. Elliott's wife, um, about the rights to the book um, because he uses the poems almost verbatim in some of the songs because he thought that they had that kind of, sing-songy that, quality. Yeah, that lyricism. There's repetition. Uh, but he asked her if he could use it, and she said, yeah, but no pussycats. She didn't want any pussycats. And he said, no, 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 I saw them like hot gossip. 
hot gossip cats. I don't know what any of that means. I agree. I think what she meant is she didn't want like things for kids. Okay, so she didn't want it to be too cute. Yeah, she didn't want. I guess Disney had approached them at one point and mm-hmm. said like, "Hey, we want to make an animated version." Yeah, or uh, Spielberg and uh, Amblin yeah, wanted to. That do was it. in the '90s, so okay. that was after this. Um, and she said no to them. So like when he was just like, "No, I saw like hot gossip," uh, which is really strange. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, and she said, "Yes, that's what I want to see." Okay, well, let's backpedal a bit. You have two cats. I do. Felix and Anya. I don't like cats. You don't like my cats? I don't like any cats, Matt. Okay, that's fair. That's it's fair. not nothing personal. Okay. Well, uh, although I mean, although one of them has uh has gotten feisty towards me a couple of times. He doesn't like visitors. Men. Yeah. Mostly men. Okay. Especially men with beards. Just scared of them. Okay. Yeah. Um But why don't you like cats in general? I just have never liked cats. Yeah. You know, I didn't either until I had two cats, and now they're my best friends. It sounds like a hostage situation, Matt. It sounds like you've got Stockholm syndrome it's over kinda, these animals. I've heard this many times, especially <laughs> in regards to Felix, who who doesn't like people, and he kind of, you know, he's um, a literal scaredy cat, mm-hmm. and uh, he's always kind of anxious, and so like he'll rub up against you, and people are like, oh, wow, great. And he's like, yeah, false sense of security, motherfucker. And then he'll like, Rawr! um so people are that, scared of him. Oh yeah, no. It's, yeah. So yeah. everyone has said this to to us about like, oh, you are in an an abusive relationship, and you're just um, you're not willing to to admit it to anybody. But when no one else is around, he's he's super cuddly. He's super cuddly. So <laughs> it sounds like a cry for help <laughs> for for him or for me. I think he just loves you too much. He does. Um, but anyway. Um, yeah, so I mean, so that that's sort of a barrier for entry because anthropomorphized cats are, are just as weird and scary as real cats. Yeah, and it's funny because like right before we watched this, I was making breakfast and I heard these anguished animal screams that were very concerning. Mm-hmm. And I, I look out a window and there's just like this this black cat just staring at me. Okay, and I've seen this cat around. I think my neighborhood's Rum Tum Tugger. <laughs> um, and I didn't see any other cat, and this cat did not look distressed. Okay. And then I went to go to work, and my neighbor across the street was out, and I'm like, hey, do you have a black cat or or anything? And she's like, no, I don't have one, but I've seen him around. And then I turn around, and there's another different cat just like cowering in fear under a bush. And I don't know if they got into a fight or if that black cat was looking for some action. But I was like, this does not sound pleasant for anybody involved. Mm-hmm. I don't like that cat. That's true. You know, it's funny. Both of our cats are so weird and distinctive and completely different personalities. We still kind of, as humans, ascribe kind of personalities to them. Which is what this whole yes. operation is about. Yes. Um, but, you know, I was at the vet and I was asking lots of questions because it seems sometimes that the t- our two cats are have like they're polar opposites in the sense of what I need to do for one. I need to do something different for the other um, as far as like taking care of them. One, I remember this, that one time the vet was just like, she looked at me and she took a beat and she's like, you know, I've been doing this for over 30 years. Cats are just weird. I was like, that's your professional opinion. Cats are weird. And I think that's the gist of it. They're just unpredictable. Which makes sense. That, I think, is sort of like the known thing about cats, is that they're quirky, they're aloof. Um, 
And they like to fuck. Yeah. All evidence points to them, quote unquote, domesticating themselves because they just basically played the human race for a bunch of suckers and like, oh, we just hang out. They'll feed us and we won't have to do any work. Mm -hmm. Um, My cat Anya has gotten to a point where um, and she's had some health issues, but I won't get into it. But she's gotten to a point where she has me so conditioned that she just hangs around and waits for me to stand up and she meows for food. And if I go to feed her or I'm near the kitchen, she'll run up to the stove and she'll, you know, stand on her back legs and put her paws up on the handlebar to the oven. Mm-hmm. And I'll look down at her and she'll take one paw and she'll reach up to me, like reaching. And it's unbelievably cute, but also one of those things of just like, you know, you know what's happening in this situation. Mm-hmm. You're manipulating me and you're controlling me and you've conditioned me to feed you. You know, there's like a, a notebook somewhere just full of notes be like nah I tried to tried wiggling my cute little tail that didn't work uh, alright I got two paws up on the on the stove that didn't cut it maybe I'll wave with one of the one paw and see if that yeah. oh there it is it's that's not the a, formula it's not like a wave it's just like a like a a searching a reaching like please please sir you must you must feed me yeah I hate cats <laughs> Um, but it seems like that was the intent of of this of T.S. Eliot to sort sure. of capture the, the the quirky and adorable, manipulative and and uh, potentially abusive personalities of cats. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He does include a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so he, the original version of Cats uh, premiered in London uh, in 1981. In uh, jolly old England. In, yeah. I'm not. We're just no. We're gonna keep moving. <laughs> I got. Do you got, want to try that again? Got a little mush mouth. No, we're not going to do that. I'm not going to. Are you sure? I'm not going to do an accent. Do your Scottish accent. Oh God, no. <laughs> you sure? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Andrew Lloyd Webber actually had to put a second mortgage mortgage on his house in order to to fund it. Like he said that if this went under, then it would have financially ruined him, and it became one of the most successful musicals of all time and it's kind of like the jaws or or star wars of musicals because it essentially ushered in this new era of these big budget uh high concept musicals where it was just as much about the money put into it and the stage production as it was you know just putting on a show because this thing was expensive, but it uh, by 2012 it made over 3.5 billion dollars worldwide, and this is a big worldwide phenomenon. Like this thing is so so popular, it's the fourth longest running show in in Broadway history. Uh, I think beaten out by Phantom of the Opera, uh, and that's primarily because Cats went away for a little bit, and it's back now, and they're doing another touring thing. And yeah, it, they had it here in Providence earlier in the year. Um, yeah, I think had the timing been differently, we would have attempted to go see it. Yeah, because what you get. So what we ended up watching was in 1998. They did. Um, I don't know if it was released theatrically or no, it was direct to video. Direct to video, but they they put on a, a specific production for home video. Yep. So they did. I think they did. They did two productions of it to get the coverage. They did pickups and stuff for a few weeks. For the first time, they had a full, um, as big of an orchestra as they needed, depending on the song, as opposed to the the typical, you know, significantly smaller orchestra that 
accompanied the the live performances. Uh, it's about two hours long. I think the show runs two and a half to two forty. So yeah. So we didn't even see all the songs necessarily. Uh huh. And to our point earlier, you know, there's the story, there's the the songs and the performances, and then there's the the choreography and the stagecraft. And what what was missing from this version was really that choreography. Because when you're watching a live musical, or even if you're watching old Hollywood musicals, those tend to have wider, longer shots so that you can see all the moving parts working in unison. That's lost when there's a lot of quick cuts. Yeah. You're going from like a wide shot for a few seconds to a close up and like, you know, they're cherry picking what what the best cut was. And you're losing the, 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 the that sort of visceral physical impact of, of that athleticism there's a lot of close-ups in, in this version of it yeah um that I, add nothing i, I mean, don't there there are shots too or i'm like I, I it looks like they should be talking but i don't hear anything and i thought like maybe i had like the wrong sound setting on or something <laughs> sure i don't think it's as bad as a lot of modern stuff um like uh, mary poppins returns which came out last year is directed by rob marshall and there are some dance sequences of that that are so frenetic and it's cutting and always cutting away. And it's just like, just if you linger, we can watch this performance. Right. I mean, there's a lot of overlap between like a film musical with a lot of dancing and something like uh, Kung Fu movies, you yeah, know, where sure. like um, the quicker the cuts, you lose a lot of like the the, the, the artistry in uh, a person like Jackie Chan, who is like doing all this crazy physicality. The longer the cut, the more you get to see and you get to appreciate the the work that they put into crafting this elaborate physical set piece. Yeah, I talked about that a few episodes ago when uh, I had mentioned I had watched Eight Diagram Pole Fighter, and that ending sequence is 30-something guys. And it's just like choreographed like a dance. There just happen to be fight moves. Uh, and it's so impressive, and there's not a lot of cutting, and it's a lot of wide shots, and it's and it's amazing because you your eye can can move through the frame and you could pick out lots of different details mm -hmm. but a lot of times the action moves where it wants you to to watch yeah it's guiding your focus but there's always something happening yeah it's funny when when this came up and it said directed by i was just like oh, david mamet wow how did they get david mamet to direct cats but it's no it's david mallet <laughs> so oh well um but can you imagine <laughs> david mamet yeah like just like Glen Gary, Glenn Ross, but a bunch of cats. <laughs> he didn't direct Glen Gary. But still. But yeah, I, I know what you're saying. But anyway. Catnips uh, for closers. <laughs> Boo. No. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> a, always B, B, C, Calico. Always B, Calico. You're on a roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then like. <laughs> And then, like, he does the brass balls thing, and the Jack Lemon cat's yep. like, I don't have my brass balls because I got fixed. <clears throat> Moving on. No, we're going to do this whole thing. <laughs> we're going through the whole thing. The, now, the Ed Harris cat. Okay. Uh, David Mallet, though, did direct a lot of Bowie videos and, and Queen, uh, Joan Jett, and ACDC. So he did do a lot. Of, he did mostly music videos. Um, so he, he he did have a sense of how to stage things and did some cool Bowie stuff um, from what I saw. But yeah, let's get into the, the show. Sure. Plot-wise, it's relatively simple. Yeah, the idea is that once a year, 
all the cats come together. The Jellicle cats. Which is just like a goofy word. Yeah, it's a it goofy ha- word. It doesn't really mean anything. I, I had a friend who I think saw the the last production of Cats that came through Providence and was just like, what the hell is a Jellicle cat? <laughs> and she was trying to figure out and explain what that meant, but at the end of the day, I don't think it really matters. Um, There's a lot of gibberish in this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So once a year, they get together. Mm-hmm. Under the Jellicle Moon. Yeah. They have the Jellicle Ball. They have the Jellicle Ball. Mm-hmm. And they sort of plead their case uh, one at a time. Yep. To, to see who gets to be born again. Uh, playing yes. with the idea of cats having nine lives. Yeah. It's called the. Um, what's their heaven called? Oh, the the Heavy Side Layer. Correct. Heavy Side Layer is sort of their version of heaven, I guess. Yeah. But the cats get reborn, like you said. Uh, but they're all making their case to, um, I guess he's like the patriarch of the cats. He's Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. He's this big kind of fluffy cat. So there's a song to sort of establish, you know, the, this world and the mm-hmm. Jellicle cats and why their names are important. And there's a, a song about the Jellicle ball. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, each song is just sort of a little vignette about each cat who's pleading their case to yeah. Deuteronomy. Until the second half where it gets a little, slightly more complicated. Um, For like a minute. Yeah. It's strange. Like shit happens to Deuteronomy and then like another cat that's the magic cat ha- comes to help and there's a villain cat and stuff. But I guess we'll get into that. But anyway, when it starts off, at least this version of it, it's got a wide shot of the whole stage. And you see like cat eyes everywhere, the same cat eyes that you see on the poster. Mm-hmm. Which from just being exposed to this sort of logo yeah. for most of my life, realize that the cat eyes are, you know, humans in their skin tight cat leotards yeah. in, in various poses. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know, it just always weirded me out. The whole thing made me very uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, that commercial, the one that we played earlier, something about it. Every time I saw it, I was just mesmerized because oh, yeah. I was just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. I even said fuck and I was probably like five years old. Yeah. So it starts and then, off- And then a cat was like, meow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was your, your saucy grandma cat. That's <laughs> my saucy grandma I, cat? I have no idea. And- I fell asleep. I didn't so, finish watching it. <laughs> was there a saucy grandma cat? There was a sad grandma cat. There's a, is it a grandma or a grandpa? Well, uh, well yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking of- There are a couple of old cats. There's a couple of old They're cats. They're sad. Yeah. Anyway, starts off, wide shot. And then you see this, this cat come out. And then it cuts to a close-up, and she makes a face. And I just burst out laughing the first time I saw it. I thought she was going to, after she made this face, was going to go, I commit. <laughs> it's <laughs> so ridiculous. It's just like this big kind of like over-expressive Fozzie bear, like giving a punchline face. Yeah. And then a light crosses it flashes across her face and it's I guess it's like a car passing mm-hmm. and so she hightails it and hides out of there. As soon as things are okay, the cats come out and, and they go into the, the opening number. Yeah. It's um But it sets a precedent of I was just like, wait, what? Come again? What what's happening here? Do you, did you ever watch Zubilee Zoo when you were I a kid? did watch Zubilee Zoo. And that was also horrifying. They look exactly like that. They do. Well let's talk about what they look like because it's kind of like unfortunate like, I think it was the time it was made because they all look like they're in an aerobics class with cat face paint because mm-hmm. they're essentially workout clothes with kind of, you know, the the leg warmers and the arm warmers. Yeah. 
Um, and you know, with I, some fluffy fur kind I, of. I don't think being this close to them does any favors for any of it either. No. You know? Yeah, it's it's really silly. Mm-hmm. And a I lot get, of like studded collars yeah. on like, you know, I there's one character Rum Tum Tugger who like yeah sure that tracks. <laughs> Does it? I I'd say if any of them. Yeah, because he has a big like fluffy mane. Rum yeah. Tum Tugger. Yeah, he's kind of like. Yeah, he's very glam rock. Yeah. But it, when the, the when the music starts too, like it feels like you hear the '80s synthesizers. Like it's that time frame where it instinctively you know, like oh, this is something from the '80s with its instrumentation and it, its early or like that transition from analog to circuit based kind of synthesizer kind of stuff. So you have a lot of those. I don't want to use that that term because a lot of these sounds have come back recently. But it is that sort of. It's sort of cheesy. Yeah, it's a little dated. Yeah. Of its time. I don't really like using that phrase, but I think it, there's, in this context, it's hard to kind of... Well, I think when we're talking about like that digital sound being dated, this was the this is when people were starting to be like, ooh, this is a thing we can do. Let's put it in everything. Yeah, for sure. Instead of being like, oh, this is a tool for very specific purposes. Let's use it judiciously when it's appropriate. Sure. I, I think he Andrew Lloyd Webber wanted to use it for more atmospherics kind of stuff, and you hear that in some of this. Yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of it sort of suggests like cats meowing, you know. Yeah, it, it, there's a part in the first number where the cats are all kind of singing at the same time uh, in a high register that sounds like cat screeching. It's crazy. Um, let's play a little piece of that uh, the opening routine. Sure. It's so overwhelming. So th- the cats are all kind of standing like in like almost like a pyramid and they're all just kind of looking into the camera. <clears throat> so right there, it's that's what's really strange about a lot of this is the cats kind of directly, I guess, break the fourth wall. Yeah, but that's not necessarily uncommon. I, I, I imagine in well, that case they would have been like... When it's a lot of it for this musical, it's, yeah. it is kind of strange. I mean, they're just staring you down and in this section where they're all just like whispering and saying these... Yeah. Like cats, which yeah. are horrifying, manipulative, <laughs> evil animals. I wanted to read some of the lyrics for this section of the song because when you're listening to it, it only sounds like they're saying Jellicle cats over and over and over again. Yeah, the DVD I couldn't put subtitles on either. I try. I wanted to like... Yeah, but they're going, they say practical cats, dramatical cats, pragmatical cats, fanatical cats, oratorical cats, deliforical cats, skeptical cats, despedical cats... Romantical cats, pedantical cats, critical cats, parasitical cats, allegorical cats, metaphorical cats, statistical cats, and metaphysical cats. It's not metaphysical, it's mystical cats. Yeah, I mean, it's a giant tongue twister, which which is impressive. Jellicle songs for jellicle cats, and they repeat that over and over and over for like the tail end of the song. And it's just like, what is happening? Mm -hmm. I'm losing my mind. It's, it's, It's not great. Yeah, let's just get this out of the way now. I didn't like this. 
No, it's not very good. I and you know I think. So maybe I'm not giving it its fair shake, but right out of the gate, I was like, "This isn't for me." I am equal parts bored and exhausted. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really strange, but not in a way that makes me want to try to understand it or or wrap my head around it. It's just strange in a way that is. It doesn't feel like they were trying to make something strange or adventurous. It just, I don't know it. Yeah, there's there's an element of when you're engaging with something that's very odd and you're asking what is happening and you genuinely want to know the answer. For me, that question was more of a like, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> sure. I don't think the songs are particularly good. And I think when you're going to use as much nonsense as you do here, you still have to kind of tether it to something that, well, like like we said, Andrew Lloyd Webber wanted to use these original poems because they were repetitive, but he leans into that maybe a bit too much. So like it's almost become sort of abstract and not in an interesting way. It just sounds like a lot of childish gibberish at sure. this point uh, of this opening number. Right. And, you know, just to sort of set the, the tone for this conversation, you and I have established that we are not uh, experts in musical theater. Sure. Um, we enjoy what we've seen to various extents. Um, so, you know, and, and we're certainly not, the, the idea here is not to be like, if you like cats, you're a big dum-dum, but like, this is the blockbuster musical. This is, <laughs> But it, at the same time, it is divisive. Right, but I think, you know, I, I, I don't want it to sound like we're dismissing it outright, and I don't want to sort of, invoke the ir- the the wrath of like broadway gatekeeping sure because like a bazillion people have seen this yeah you know what i mean this is not like this is not like uh uh you know some art house thing that like sure or like oh no this isn't for you because you're a casual musical person yeah I, but at, i mean at the same time it's been like a punchline for so many years I, th- the last season of the unbreakable kimmy schmidt the character Titus. Oh, God. I'm he, already thrilled. <laughs> he goes, because throughout the, the course of the show, he auditions for various musicals. But for this one, he's actually working as, I believe, like a janitor or something like that. And he just walks out on stage in like a, a costume he made himself and just starts performing. And people love it. And then he becomes part of the production. And then everyone in the cast tells him, yeah, that's how everyone on Cats gets in. You just go up on stage and start making up gibberish. And that was the gag for the last year. It's really funny. Um, so so that, that's kind of the context I know it in. That and this uh, this little bit from The Simpsons. And it's um, uh, I'll set this up. This is uh, from Itchy and Scratchy, which is uh, you know the show within the show mm-hmm. on Simpsons. Itchy and Scratchy are sort of like a Tom and Jerry kind of analog. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, so here's a clip where um, I'm embarrassed that you felt you needed to give that much setup to itchy. Well, and you know, if you're what if you're listening to this for cats, you may not be a Simpsons fan. That's true. My mom might be listening. There you go. Yeah, my mom won't be. Just <laughs> mm, a show for me. Tim Tom Tabby is a curious cat. Went to see the queen in a velveteen hat. Oh, 
This is so boring. Shh. So to give our listeners a little context for that clip, Scratchy, which is the cat uh, and from um, of Itchy and Scratchy, uh, goes to see cats. Um, and Itchy is the um, sort of uh, ticket taker, leads him down to his chair. He's watching cats. He says it's fucking boring. <laughs> he blows his brains out. There are a few numbers that were distinctive, had maybe a bit more of a hook. And some of them, I just was like completely zoned out, yeah. especially in the back half, I thought. You know, judging by the um, check Twitter metric, um, I was on my phone pretty early in this movie and that's never a good sign and like no. I, I always even when I'm not enjoying it I always feel bad about it I never I never start a movie without the intention of finishing it you know mm-hmm. what I mean and it, like not like I'm a fucking martyr for holding myself to that standard <laughs> but you know what I mean like I don't ever want to I, I can count on one hand how many times I've been like I'm just not going to finish this I don't like this I, I, I always want to see it through to the end yeah but yeah, despite seeing it through to the end, I was very quickly just like glossing over and like, oh, I'll see what's on Instagram. I, I watched it once um, and then I had it on in the background a second time and I was just like, when is this going to end? It just felt like an eternity. So after this opening number, we get a few kind of like um, a few numbers where they're, they do this thing called the naming of cats. Uh, where they're you know setting up that hey all these cats are going to come forward and vie for their position in the heaven thing, mm-hmm. which I can never remember the name of the heavy side layer. Heavy side layer, and then we're introduced to a bunch of cats. Uh, one of them is uh, what is it? Jenny. Jenny Dippin' Dots. Close. Jenny Any Dots. Yeah, we're introduced to Jenny Any Dots. Um, and then we're introduced to, and this, there's a number, uh, and we're introduced to Rum Tum Tugger. Yep. And he's, um, or, uh, I believe, um, uh, he was referred to in one article when they announced the casting for the movie as Rum Tum Tugger, the cat who fucks. Yeah. He's definitely the, the sexy cat. Um, but, uh, I pulled up the original book, the old possum's book of practical cats because i wanted to to you know see the comparisons and they really do take it kind of verbatim for the lyrics yep um but this is uh this is the original piece the rum tum tugger is a curious cat if you offer him pheasant he would rather have grouse if you put him in a house he would much prefer a flat if you put him in a flat then he'd rather have a house if you set him on a mouse, then he only wants a rat. If you set him on a rat, then he'd rather chase a mouse. Yes, the Rum Tum Tugger is a curious cat, and there isn't any call for me to shout it, for he will do as he do do, and there's no doing anything about it. And that's like the first verse kind of chorus kind of thing, I guess, if you will. Mm-hmm. With a little Mick Jagger stank on it. But if you read it like that, it definitely plays like a Dr. Seuss rhyme mm-hmm. or something for children. And then when we're talking about it in the context of the musical and how sexualized it is, there's a scene, there's a section of this song where there are three female cats on their knees in front of him and he gyrates his pelvis mm-hmm. and his ass in their faces and they fall over. Yeah, and we're not prudes, but no, number one family musical... Of, of all, all time. time. 
<laughs> it's just strange. It's just this weird disconnect. And it, when you're watching it, it's just like, I, I couldn't believe it the whole time. I was like, what? What? what, what am I, why did we do this? What, what, what is happening right now? It's, it's so strange. But after, um, <laughs> after the Rum Tum Tugger, we're introduced to Grizabella. Um, the Grizabella stuff is actually outtakes from the original T.S. Eliot book of poems because he thought she was too sad. And I guess Andrew Lloyd Webber, when he read it, he was just like, oh, this is my connective tissue. This is the thing that I could use to connect all of it. So Grizabella is essentially this character that shows up. Uh, the other cats shun her because she's old and dying and sad. And she's lived a full life. And I guess they imply that she also at one point in time fucked. Yeah, but, you know, so like, what, there's not enough room in this junkyard for a girl rum tum tugger? None of these cats want to fuck an old cat, Tony. They want... They want that prime, fresh, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to do it. It's not going to happen. Because T.S. Eliot's dead wife requested that we didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, she's she's lived her full life. Mm-hmm. And now, like, all these young, nubile, horny cats are like, boo, you're gross. Get out of here. Um, yeah. And and then there's other characters. There's Bustopher Jones. Uh, who's just like a fat cat? Yeah, he's kind of like not like the cool fat cat from Chippendales Rescue Rangers. No, like the who's fat like cat, the like mafia a, cat, the fat cat that's like you know, um, Wall Street kind of like that kind of fat cat. This yeah, it's made a lot of money going like, to the country club, plays Monopoly. Mm-hmm. Um, runs around with a sack with a dollar sign on it. I think he does, <laughs> but he's got like a mo- like a monocle and like a top hat. Yep, and he's got a long spoon that he plays golf with. Yeah, um, it's all really silly. Um, and then uh, we're introduced to old Deuteronomy, who yeah. is like, as we had stated, he's the patri- the elder statesman yeah. of, of the cats. Um, and it's implied that he's had his nine lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've listened to this yet. Uh huh. Um, but in a in a revival a few years ago, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber decided that Rum Tum Tugger's song should be a rap. And that he should be updated no. to be a quote unquote street cat. No. Let's see if we can listen to that. No. Let's hear what that sounds like. I can't believe you made me listen to that. Yeah. This did not last long, by the way. This, I think, was unanimously just reviled. Thank God. (laughs) Uh, Do yourself a favor. If you're listening to this, wherever you are, stop. Do a search for Rum Tum Tugger uh, 2016 and just see this cat with the gold chains. Yeah. It feels like a version of this that should have been in in the 80s like an 80s version of what a, an old white dude would think rap music is. 
But no, it premiered in 2016. Luckily, the rest of Cats is not as unfortunate as that. That was kind of a joke. The rest of it's not fun. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm being especially negative. We don't mean to be. It's it, just... Yeah, it's okay. I mean, I mean, yeah, so Old Deuteronomy shows up. Now, you know that Old Deuteronomy is important and deserves respect because Rum Tum Tugger, who's too cool, yeah. is like, you know what? He's like the Bart Simpson of he cats. Is. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Um, Who's the Nelson Muntz of cats? Um, that would be um, that would be Buster for Jones. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Um, yeah. So one thing we haven't really talked about is like all the different cats. Um, their songs are all in different musical styles. So Rum Tum Tuggers is, I guess, like a rock song. Yeah, he says that he was kind of <clears throat> thinking Mick Jagger. Yeah, was... and and Deuteronomy's song is um, is like a lullaby. Uh, and then later on, there's um, Gus the Theater Cat, and that's kind of like a music hall style mm-hmm. song. And then uh, Stray Cat Strut. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, and obviously, like, um, um, what's her name? Grizabella. Grizabella has the the ballad. Yes, know? memory. Yeah, which we'll get to because that's the thing that everyone is aware of that song. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's the good one. <laughs> Is it though? We'll, well get we'll get there. Sure. Um so Deuteronomy shows up and you know, they introduce every they have everyone come to the Jellicle Ball. Uh Grizabella shows up again and just like get out of here, you're old and you stink. Um <laughs> uh and then things get really That was actually the one line of spoken dialogue. Yeah, they're like, Get out of here, you stink. Yeah, there's no we haven't talked about we haven't talked about. <laughs> There's a cat playing sad trombone every time she left stage. <laughs> oh, wait, isn't no that that's the trumpet noise with the thing in front of it, right? Oh yeah, sad trombones. Yeah, there you go. Um, this is where things get a little weird. I mean, even this? even weirder because um, what's his name shows up. Oh, um, McCavity. McCavity. Who, who's like a villain cat. He's just like- The Napoleon of crime? Yeah, that's what they call him, the Napoleon of crime. That's clumsy. I, it's in the original poem. Oh, okay. So they were closer to Napoleon in the 30s. I guess, it was, yeah. It was topical. At the end of Cats, they're like, <laughs> look, McCavity, we're not going to kill you, but we're going to banish you to this island. Yeah, there you go. He's like um, at the very beginning of Superman, the original movie, mm-hmm. where they put- um, Zod in the Zod Phantom Zone. in the Phantom Zone. Yep. And then he comes back for the sequel. Yep. He's yeah. always tucking his paw into his little vest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, he's like kind of squares off against Rum Tub Tugger, and then they he makes Deuteronomy disappear. Um, yeah, and then he like pretends to be him. Yeah. And then there's a cat who does magic. Yeah, that's- um, Because if there's anything this needed, it was someone doing sleight of hand. Yeah, and, and in this version of it- <laughs> Because they can, he like shoots like fucking lightning out of his hands. Yeah, like iMovie special yeah. effects lightning. But we didn't talk us about the ballet fight between uh, McCavity and Rum Tum Tugger. Was it Rum Tum Tugger or was it um, Munkenschplitzen, the, <laughs> the MC Cat? <laughs> What's his name? I don't remember. Um, hold on. So uh, McCavity looks ridiculous. 
Um, they, more so than the rest of them. Unfortunately, because they make, in order to make him evil, they make his face really dark. They and they like, they just do like a lot of excessive like striping and makeup. Yeah. You know what he looks like? This almost feels like a live action Thundercats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Except that everybody is Tigra, nobody's favorite Thundercat. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I would have said they all have the personality of Snarf. You take that back, you son of a bitch, Snarf. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I would have taken like, I mean, there are those two thieves who are kind of like Wily Kit and Wily Cat. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's um, Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser. Isn't Mungo Jerry a band? I think they there's a song called There's some band that. Oh yeah. Who is that? I thought it was Mungo Jerry. Let's look that up. Oh yeah, going off the rails on the cats episode. In the summertime when the weather is high, you can stretch right up and touch the sky. When the weather's fine, you got women, you got women on your mind. I did not know that band was called Mungo Jerry. Wow. Next, next time on What Do We Miss? A three-hour deep dive into Mungo Jerry. Mungo Jerry. Yeah. The, the I feel like that's not even a word we should be allowed to say. I think you're, <laughs> I think you're right. Um the Mungo Jerry of Cats is spelled differently than the band Mungo Jerry. But I digress. <laughs> Where were we? <laughs> Jesus Christ, this fucking there, thing. There was a Saint Mungo. Okay. He was a Scottish saint who died in 614. Yep. Uh, let's see. I um, think... Mungo Murray, 7th Earl of Mansfield and Mansfield. Ooh, both Mansfields. Okay. So th- this this is from the actual um, poem that it's based off. Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser were a very notorious couple of cats, as knockabout clowns, quick change comedians, tightrope walkers, and acrobats. They had an extensive reputation. They made their home in Victoria Grove, that was merely their center of operation, for they were incurably given to rove. They were very well known in Cornwall Gardens. In Lincolnston Place in Kennington Square, they had really a little more reputation than a couple of cats can very well bear. Ooh. Can, you, can you imagine reading this and being like, you know what? This needs to be, this needs to be a musical. This is important. This is this is this is this is big. Well, the band Mungo Jerry thought so because they also took their name from this. That did, was no accident. Did they? Yeah, they did. You just confirmed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I. <sighs> Called up Mr. Jerry himself. He legally changed his name to Mungo Jerry. Wouldn't his name be Mungo? His last name Jerry? Yeah, that's why I said Mr. Jerry. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Mr. Jerry. In the summertime, specifically. He uh, made sure to turn in the paperwork on the solstice. Okay, so <laughs> McCavity fights who? <laughs> McCavity fights um, Munkastrop. Okay. Which I think is how you pronounce his name. He's like the MC cat. Yeah, he's like the... He's like the yeah. one that's sort of like, hey, this is everything that's happening. Yeah, yeah. He's um, 
you know, he's the host of the evening. He's not uh, Which is he's crazy. not putting his hat in the ring to get another life. He's like, hey, I'm just here to have a good time. It's, keep you all. It's crazy because he's just not memorable whatsoever. Like, he doesn't get, like, a big number, like, no. Rum Tum Tugger or even McCavity, yeah. who doesn't sing. They sing about McCavity. Mm-hmm. He's not as fun as, like, the cabaret MC character. Yeah. Um, and then, so, so after they ward off McCavity, mm-hmm. Um, they summon Mr. Mistopheles, who does magic. He yep. shoots lightning from. They show the lightning in in this version of mm-hmm. it. Um, and he uses his magic to bring back um, Deuteronomy. Yeah, well, he did. Yeah, he yeah, he's the only one who recognizes that the Deuteronomy that comes back into the scene is McCavity in disguise. He uses his magic to reveal the truth. Mm-hmm. They all run McCavity out. Napoleon of crime is no more. Yeah. France can rest easy. Yeah. And then uh and and then uh Grizabella comes back. She does and then um belt out memory. Yeah, which is the standout number, which is funny because it was the one There's other pieces in here that were not part of the original poems, but a lot of them were outtakes from the original book. Um but this one is completely original. Um uh, and it's a banger. Yeah. So, th- yeah, this is, um, yeah, let's listen to it. So yeah, this is like the big standout. Yeah, um, it's the standout to the point where the first time I became I became aware that this was from Cats. I was like, "That's from Cats." Mm-hmm. It's just a song that I I was aware of. Yeah. I think I had a music box when I was young with this song in it. Like, I w- think with the melody. Uh, Barbara Streisand released a single of it the same oh. year that the that it opened in England, and I think Weber. Did the arrangement for that. Gotcha. Um, so it's huge. Huge. So uh, I found an article on Polygon called What the Hell is Cats? Mm-hmm. Written by Simone de Roquefort. And she sort of talks about cats in general. She she wrote this piece uh, after the trailer for the movie had dropped and everyone on the internet made jokes. Um, she likes cats. She cops to it being very strange and potentially off-putting. She talks about the 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 home video release that we watched saying, you know, it's still too early to tell what this version of cats on VHS did to a generation of children. I can only tell you that it turned me bisexual. (laughs) Um, uh, And, you know, it's very like tongue in cheek talking about how ridiculous it is, but there is one section where she talks specifically about this song. 
why is the memory song such a big deal? Memory, sung by Grizabella, a role usually reserved for a non-dancing actress with killer pipes, is one of the only songs in Cats that doesn't come from a T.S. Eliot poem. It's also arguably the best, or at least most memorable, song in the show. During the song, Grizabella remembers being young and happy and vows to live another day in the hopes that she will feel happy again with the sunrise. It's incredibly sad and beautiful. Speaking from personal experience, I once made a bunch of people watch clips of Cats during a party, and Memory was the only song where everyone shut up and stopped making jokes. It's very good. Do you th- did you like do you like memory? I think it's the only point where I was like, oh, I'm feeling things. Yeah. Like I didn't I give. I, I just, didn't just. I just didn't give a shit I about just, the rest of it. I just always thought this was really schmaltzy. It has a nice melody, but the arrangements, everything, it's just, it's just tugging a little too hard. It's trying a little too hard for me. It's and I don't know. It just it plays like schmaltz. Sure, but I th- also think it's the only thing that feels. Earnest, yeah. It's a good performance. I just, again, I, I don't, I don't know if I, I care for the, the musical arrangements. Yeah, I mean, it also, it also could be one of those things too, where a lot of this stuff gets sort of, so oversaturated. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I, I knew the song, I knew the, the melody, but I don't recall ever like hearing it so much that I was intimately familiar with it. Um. I think this felt as close to hearing it fresh for the first time as I was going to get. And yeah, I just, the the bar was so low that like by the time this happens, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, more of this would have kind of kept my interest, I think. Well, because this is like the only number that doesn't have a lot of nonsense words or just really oh, silly. Or weird dry humping. <laughs> yeah, it's just a... Uh, this kind of searching power ballad um, where she doesn't actually talk about any cat-related things. Mm-hmm. It's just about, hey, like, I've lived this full life and I'm going to try and, and and continue to live, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. After this number, though, I guess um, Deuteronomy's like, hey, you're the one that's going to the place I can never remember. Oh, Heavyside. Seaside Rendezvous. Nope, that's a queen song. Heavyside Lair. <laughs> Heavyside Lair, yeah. So she's the one that gets chosen. And then she walks up the she goes up gangway of a weird spaceship. It's. I think it's, is it a tire? I think it's heaven. I think she died. No, but she. I know she She definitely does. Oh, yeah, like she, they lift her up on a tire or something. Yeah, it's like a tire. Mm-hmm. And then stairs come down and she goes up and she dies. Mm-hmm. She's supposed to come back as another younger cat. Well, I mean, that's the idea, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's and how, you know what what Rum Tum Tugger is going to be all about it. Oh yeah, he's yeah he's going to be all up in that Griselda. Wait, no, Grisabella. Grisabella. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and and then there's like a few closing numbers which aren't nearly as um interesting as memories. Like memories is the standout. Memory I guess. singular. Memory. She only has the one. She only has one memory. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah. you know what that memory was? It was of getting up on her hind paws mm-hmm. and putting her other paws on the stove. Okay. And then reaching, reaching desperately to desperately. her master, yep. who she had duped into feeding her for the Feed rest of her life. Feed me. I am so hungry. Now I'll throw up. I don't like all your friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other cat. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, great. We've talked about. We've the talked. Plot. Of, okay, yeah, we got through it. 
How do you feel about it, Matt? Uh, I do think a lot of it was felt. It it was tedious. It mm-hmm. was it was a tough sit. And and I watched like three hour silent Russian movies from from the seventies. Mm-hmm. I just like this was tough. Yeah, I don't know. It just felt there was a lot of it that just felt really tedious. Uh, maybe a little too repetitive. Um, not super distinctive. Mm-hmm. Or or actually, maybe all of it is too distinctive. It's all just so aggressively in your face and just over the top that after a while, it's just kind of like, all right, let's bring it down a bit. Yeah. Maybe that's why the Deuteronomy song kind of sticks out because like, it's a lullaby and it's a little more somber. Um, when we are introduced to Grizabella, there's like a a little bit of instrumental music that's really kind of quiet and contemplative, a little more moody and it's very, it's somber. And that piece of music is actually kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's not a lot of that. Right. Uh, I think it was its most enjoyable when it wasn't like, look at me. <laughs> I, I think you just, that peaked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it didn't peak. My curiosity. Your interest? I'm not much of a curious cat in regards to cats. I don't think this is the type of thing either where for me is like, oh, it's it's so bad. It's good. Like I can't look away. Because a lot of it I was just like, I even texted you. I'm like, when is this fucking thing going to be over? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like an, I was like an hour and 20 in and it just felt like an eternity. And was, yeah, it felt really slow. I was like, oh, there's another 40 minutes of this. And if we were in the theater, there's like another hour and 10 minutes of this. Now, do you think you would have felt the same if you were seeing it in the theater? Oh, yeah. Hands down. Yeah. yeah. I, like I said, like, I mean, maybe, maybe there's that element of like you're watching the production and, mm-hmm. and, and the live performance. Yeah. We didn't really talk a lot about in between numbers, you know, there's a lot of um, musical stuff. There's no dialogue. It's all told through the songs. And there's a lot of dancing in this. And it's a lot of kind of, it's sort of like a mix of ballet, maybe, and maybe some modern stuff in there. Mm-hmm. But um, there, there's like a whole nine-minute number that's mostly dance in like in the middle of it. So a lot of the story is told through this expressive kind of, cat-like dance moves so maybe seeing that on a big stage with everyone kind of choreographed and, and there are definitely moments where you're watching this you're just like it's pretty impressive like yeah. this fucking cat just flipped across the stage you sure know? Um, it, and it's it, all supposed to be evocative of whatever the sure. feeling is and... yeah I, that's the thing it's like when you're watching it's like yeah these performances are they're not giving bad performances yeah you know these are some great Broadway and, and performers and mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can blame it all on one guy. <laughs> no, because I, can you? I don't, I don't know. know. I that was yeah. I think you know, reading about it too, they were really like they were ready, set to open in in April in London for the original production, and it was February, and they didn't have it wasn't finished, not even remotely close. They really threw this shit together at the last minute, and a lot of the dance routines were sort of improvised, like. The, they'd pick the performer and allow them to kind of feel out the character through improvisation dance and kind of stuff like that. And I don't know, it kind of feels like that. Like it feels yeah. kind of slapdash in some places. What's my motivation? Uh, you're the horny one. What else? 
you're a cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't I think seeing it in the theater might have been like an actual theater might have been worse because I might have just been like squirming the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think this works. I don't know. It's going to be tough because I know my curiosity is going to get the better of me like a fucking cat and I'm going to want to watch the the new movie version, especially because it just looks dire. Well, I think, so we kind of mentioned this earlier, that a lot of the derision about the trailer was the sort of over-sexualization of the characters in this new version. It's and not just that. It's the, they look, it looks like an Instagram filter. Right. The visual, the visual effects are they don't look like they're ready i it's strange and then they also made them human proportions like the the original but they put them they made them like you know a foot tall like a yeah, cat yeah yeah so they're supposed to look like relative to the environment that they're supposed to be cat sized but yeah their proportions aren't right all of them should be thicker and they should yeah. have you know <laughs> their 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 arms should be like just like weirdly hanging out in front of them desperately trying to keep them balanced. Well, I mean, one thing I could say about the 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 theatrical well, the Broadway version or, you know, the stage version is that it feels like something that belongs on the stage. Sure. And I think that's part of the problem is that maybe it shouldn't be translated uh, to movie form, especially the way they're doing it. Like maybe they could do a better stage version for the theater. But the way they're approaching it feels like um, it just feels like a bad idea, like the singularity. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I, maybe it's going to be successful. Who knows? I, um, but it, put that all together, um, and on top of it, we have one of the worst directors of the past decade. Um, Wait, who's doing it? Tom Hooper. Yeah, he did the King's Speech. Oh. Uh, and uh, the Danish Girl and Les Miserables, all just awful. And he's just a, he's a bad director, Overuses wide-angle lenses. Um, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, I wonder who this is for, the movie. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, the speculation online is that it's made for people to make fun of it, but I don't think that was the, the intention there. I mean, yeah, that's really cynical. I, yeah. I, and I can't imagine it being worth the investment. Yeah. Like, it doesn't look cheap. I mean, it, it does... It does... What's on the screen looks cheap, but I cannot imagine it was inexpensive. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know because I mean, what the people who like this show do they like? Do they like it for the music? Do they like it for the characters? Do they like it because of the production and the dance? Like what? Like you know? I mean, it is a unique experience. I can imagine being overwhelmed by it, seeing it in the theater, but especially when it came out. Sure, but that just there, like you said, it's a unique experience. Yeah. And to your point, I don't think it's going to translate necessarily to film. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 this was not a fun watch. No. And I don't know that seeing the even seeing the version that we watched on a big screen in the dark plays. I don't know. I I have no idea really what to think about this 2019 version of Cats. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how to feel about it going into it. Obviously, it's not out yet. No one's seen it. Um, Christmas Day. Oh, cool. I think it's Christmas Day. It's around then. Eat shit, family. I'm going to see Cats. <laughs> 
What would you prefer, talking politics with family members or going to see the new cats? Um, let's see. Tough call. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Have you seen any of his other musicals? Uh, I have. And I was, that was actually going to be my recommendation. Okay. Yeah. Um, I really like Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, I think the the movie version from 1973, which is directed by Norman Jewison, um, is, is pretty cool. Uh, it, it's weird because, you know, it's a story about Jesus, but it has a lot of kind of 70s um, um, affectations. So there's like they show up in a bus at the beginning and they're all kind of dressed as hippies. It kind of leans into that. So sort of flying in the face of what we said earlier, part of the appeal of it is the fact that it feels like a movie from the 70s, uh, but like like an artifact of something that I find fascinating and that I, I revisiting almost feels like a time capsule. Unlike something like Cats, which feels like all the bad aspects of the 80s uh, all kind of rolled into one, uh, 80s excess and er, uh, early 80s synthesizers and, and the kind of workout wardrobe that they're all wearing. Um, this is is a lot more interesting. And I think it, it's a rock opera, so the music is a lot more interesting. And um, Tim Rice did the lyrics. So right there, it's already um, a step up. It's a lot more interesting and, and tells the story of Jesus Christ and his crucifixion and all that stuff. So it's pretty fun. And, and the recent live version that was on Hulu uh, starring John Legend was actually pretty cool too. And and, and that was a, similar to what we just watched with Cats, but it's all just a big stage but they utilize the stage and the filmmaking and the camera movement to make it a little more um, interesting than the version of Cats that we watched. Yeah. You know, I, I can't really speak with much authority besides my gut takeaway when I saw it like 12 years ago. But in college, um, uh, we watched Evita in one class, which is also an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. And I remember enjoying the movie. But again, I just remember sort of that feeling, and I can't really get into any specifics about it. But it felt very different. It felt like, um, you know, the, it felt like they were taking advantage of the fact that it was a movie and sort of doing things to heighten the theatricality in ways that, you know, can't logistically be done on a stage. There are a couple of sequences I vaguely remember being really impressed by. Yeah, the 1973 version of Jesus Christ Superstar is... A lot of it works because of its direction, not just the musical mm -hmm. uh, itself. Um, the way things are framed mm -hmm. and, 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 and the choreography um, it's, and its, its, um, its location are all really fascinating. Yeah, I mean, Cats looks like it's just going to be a green screen nightmare. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It looks, um, we're through the uncanny valley. And, and my only real other connection to Andrew Lloyd Webber is um, through Paul F. Tompkins, who does- um, Comedy um, Bang Bang does a character um his his own version of of andrew lloyd webber mm -hmm. on comedy bang bang and it's it's anytime he does andrew lloyd webber it's worth listening to i think he's retired it he's kind of wanted to do some new characters mm -hmm. like every once in a while he'll pop up again but it's worth seeking out those older episodes they're sure. really funny and even mr show um which he and scott arkman were involved with played around with um 
Jeepers Creepers semi-star, which was like a send-up of, <laughs> it was like a, a Jesus Christ superstar kind of musical, but about like 90s slackers. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Um, what would I recommend? Because I don't feel like I remember enough of a Vita to say, yeah, go check that one out. Sure. All right. I'm going to recommend something I've been talking to you a lot about. And mm-hmm. I just watched like either the day before or the day after Cats, and it was a much better experience. But um, but there was heavy uh, creature effects and makeup involved, so okay. it kind of tracks. Um, it doesn't track at all. I'm just stumped here. There was a movie in 1993 called Freaked. Oh yeah, which was uh, co-written and co-directed by Alex Winter, who played Bill. Excellent in, in Bill and Ted. Yep, and it's really weird. The studio buried it. It's it's a great cult movie. Um, the short version is he plays a smarmy, like, Hollywood it boy actor who is roped into shilling for this seedy corporation who makes noxious chemicals. And he gets hijacked by this deranged carnival barker played by Randy Quaid, who uses those chemicals to turn people into these grotesque, horrible mutant freaks for his sideshow. And it's very silly. It has a very like sketch comedy feel. It has very much like that sort of early '90s gross-out aesthetic and you know ironic sense of humor. But the creature effects are wild and really fun. Cool. And we talked about possibly doing an episode on Freaked, or at least in conjunction with something else that's maybe has a cultish following. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think it. I think it'd be a fun one. To watch, I think there's a. I think that it's a great example of something that is very weird, but I think in the way that you respond to well. Me particular. Yes. Or? Yes. Okay. Exactly. Cool. cool. Um, and not like a so bad it's good. I think I think it's got a lot of good stuff going on in it. Um, but I'm very excited to talk to you about it. Cool. And as is evident by uh, off mic, I have not been able to shut up about it. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've you've mentioned it a few times. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. It's funny because I think I have like these vague memories of some making of thing for it, maybe on MTV or some Possibly. late night thing. Because he had done a very short-lived sketch show called The Idiot Box oh, yeah. on MTV. Yeah. But I was always interested in what he was going to do because after Bill and Ted because I, I love both Bill and Ted movies. I just have a lot of affection for them. Um, so... Yeah, I'm curious to see see that movie. Cool. Yeah. What are we talking about next time? So uh, just in time for Christmas, we're going to be talking about Santa Claus the Movie, which came out in 1985, features- um, Dudley uh, Moore. Dudley Moore, John Lithgow, and David Huddleston. Was he right? Huddleston? Who played the Big Lebowski. Yeah. Uh, as Santa Claus. Uh, so this is a movie that both of us have seen before, but- I think it's safe to say that neither of us have seen it in three decades. Yeah. I saw it probably when I was really young and never saw it again. Yeah. And for me, this was on like a, a blank tape with a bunch of other Christmas specials. Mm-hmm. Um, this wasn't, this was like a big theatrical release, um, but it was on that blank tape. So I watched it every year, probably several times a year uh, around Christmas. And I think, you know, I, I think for us, the the what did we miss aspect here is maybe uh, revisiting something we saw when we were super young and 
there's a lot of weird stuff going on in that movie that flies right over the head of certainly four-year-old me. Um, yeah. I'm interested to talk about it in the context of at the time it, it was marketed as this big blockbuster and it bombed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious to kind of learn a little bit more about that and and because and, I remember all the advertisements for it of like, oh, hey, Santa Claus, the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, Santa Claus has a movie? Yeah. Whoa. So, um, and it's got an interesting um, group of producers behind it. It's made by the the same folks who made the four Superman movies with Christopher Reeve and directed uh, and by the, the guy that made Supergirl. Um, Childhood favorite. Was there a live action Superboy TV show, or was that a Fever Dream? I had Smallville. No, like Fever Dream. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> So we'll be talking about that, which, um, you know, I won't get too into it now, but I did, I have rewatched it mm-hmm. in preparation for this. And uh, yeah, it's weird. It's not good, but I think there's a lot of, like I said, a lot of weird, interesting stuff that maybe if they had handled it differently, it could have been a, a much different movie. And it's very strange. Cool. Can't wait to talk about it. All right. See you next week. Meow. Thank you for listening to What Did We Miss? If you want to catch up on previous episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, Stitcher Premium, and Google Play. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at What Did We Miss? And thanks, as always, to What Cheer Writers Club in downtown Providence, where we record our episodes. If you want to learn more about them, you can follow them on Twitter and Instagram at What Cheer Club and visit their website at whatcheerclub.org.